Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. I was thinking of this, uh, I was thinking of this scripture where Joshua, anybody ever read the Bible? <laughs> the answer is yes, everybody. Joshua, uh, he's getting ready to go into Jericho. Some of you are facing a Jericho right now. God has this entire land that he wants you to take. And uh, the first city is the hardest one. And you're afraid of it. You're afraid of what it might cost you. You're afraid that you can't do it. And you're afraid that you're not close enough to God. Which might be true. <laughs> and Joshua, it says that he's out. And uh, there's a, a, it looks like a man standing across from him. And he, he walks up to the man standing across from him. And he says to the man, it turns out the man is an angel. It can happen. And uh, he walks over to the man like we do sometimes, and he says, okay, whose side are you on? Because we got a battle to fight. And it's like, whose side are you on? Are you on our side or are you on their side? But see, when the man's an angel, in, in fact, it could be argued that this was a an occurrence of the Son of God coming before he came in a manger. Uh, there were times that the Son of God actually appeared because this is what the, the man said. He said, um, let me just... Joshua's like, okay, give me an answer. My side or their side? And the man says, neither. Another translation might say no. So you're like, God, do I do this or do I do that? God... Are you on my side or are you on her side? God, are you... And um, God sometimes is like, no. No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, what he's saying is maybe you should be on my team. This would describe the struggle that you've had this week and the struggle... Uh, the struggle... The struggle... The struggle... The struggle... Speaking. I'm just learning English here. To to this week, you're going to be looking at God to try to get him on your team, but God is wanting to get you on his team, and when that happens, you win. <laughs> it's funny, you know, I, I think Saruman, do we have any Lord of the Rings fans here? Saruman the wizard turns bad, and, uh, and I remember the Ents saying like, hmm, can I do this right now? Is it, am I wrecking a spiritual moment for you? Hmm. Whose side are you on? The, I think the hobbit said. And hmm, we're not particularly on anybody's side because nobody is on our side. But I'll tell you, when you get the Spirit of God riled up about something, <laughs> when it's time to take down the enemy and the Spirit of God comes, I mean, the, the, I was thinking about this this morning in the green room. This is what I do when I should be praying. I was thinking about this. And Saruman is in his castle and he's got all these orcs and he's unassailable. You cannot get into this place and... And the ants just come in and all the strength and power, and they just calmly tear all the walls down, divert the river, clog everything up, mess up the devil's day. Can I hear an amen? When you get on God's team, he can, with very little effort, get you a victory. We have an election tomorrow. I hope that you're voting. The Bible says when the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. I was going to be one of those churches they tell you who to vote for. But when the wicked are in power, they groan. I think the question is not, uh, God, which side are you on? But God, who is on your side? 
If godly people are in authority, then get out and vote tomorrow. You have the right to. (laughs) There are other countries who would die for the right to and have died for the right to vote. And you sit at home watching Netflix. I think it's probably good for you to pray about it and vote. Vote for the godly to get in power. Is that good? Uh, If you're godly, you're on God's side. I'm not going to tell you which party, but if you're godly, you're on God's side. That's it. That's it. That's a good way to look at that. Luke chapter 11, Jesus says, um, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? That sounded normal to everybody. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Sometimes you ask for a fish, you get a snake, right? Um, If they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? You know, if I actually, eggs are the only thing that I can make. Any men in the house who can't cook? If you're going to just leave me alone like that, everybody. Whose side are you on? Come on. Thanks, John. Eggs are about the only thing that I can cook. My daughters can outcook me. My wife is a terrific cook. But if, you know, if, if it's on a vacation day or, you know, a holiday and my kids wake up late and I'm like, let's make some breakfast sandwiches. And then I just, you know, it says, then, then I just slide a scorpion in there just to mess their day up a little bit. Why is Jesus even talking about this? You're thinking, how weird is this? Well, Jesus, my sermon title today is don't make it weird. You think that Jesus knows your condition? Do you think he knew the audience that he was talking to? Why do you think he would even talk about this if this wasn't a huge issue? He's like, fathers, you wouldn't surprise your kids with bad things, with bad presents. He says, of course not. So if you sinful people, this actually means, could be translated, of a diseased condition, of a state that doesn't make sense to heaven, of a life that's not working. So even if you, with your life that's not working, dads, you think I'm talking to dads. I'm not really talking to dads because... Because God's, uh, Jesus is not really talking to dads in the scripture. Just give me a second. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Oh, he's not talking to fathers. No, 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 no. He's talking to sons and daughters of the house. You might be uh, searching for faith, but when you get adopted into the family of God, when you accept Jesus as your own personal Lord and Savior and, and have your sins forgiven... You get adopted into the family of God. Jesus is saying, Corey, you better preach this message about don't make it weird because they're going to make it weird. (laughs) This is going to get really weird. Christians get weird. Church people get weird. Just because you get weird in church doesn't mean it's not weird. It's still weird as weird, everybody. And when God's in the mix and it's like, God told me to do this. And I'm afraid that if I ask God for the Holy Spirit because he's talking to sons and daughters, isn't he? He's not talking to people on the outside. He's not talking to people unconnected to God. He's talking to sons and daughters. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to slide a scorpion sandwich in there for you. So can we just cut the weird out of your life? Can I hear an amen? Amen. He's saying you're not going to have enough of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to try to do this life by yourself and you're going to get weird. And I'm going to help you keep from getting weird but you got to get on my team about the thing. 
you got to get on God, your Heavenly Father's team about the thing. Last week, I preached about your relationship with your dad and how that relationship with your dad, whatever it looked like, good or bad, translates into your relationship with God. So if you have bad dad issues or here, can I say this this way? I didn't say this last week because I didn't want to hurt your feelings, but this week I apparently don't care. <laughs> Look, you can have a decent father and not be a decent son or a decent daughter. So if you have dad issues or mom issues, particularly that dad issue, see the Holy Spirit is here to connect you with the father. But if you have father issues, then that will naturally translate into your relationship with the perfect father. And it gets really weird. But last week we said this, didn't we? That the barriers to connection with God are all on your side. He has removed all the barriers. There are no barriers on heaven's side to you. There are only barriers in your own mind, will, and emotions. In let me say it this way, your soul. You are three parts, body, soul, and spirit. So your body, everybody know what that is? Everybody got one of those? Look to your neighbor and be like, you got a body? You got a good body. Some of you know I'm, no, too far. My wife is right there. I got distracted. I got distracted, everybody. I'm allowed to. Don't make it weird. I, I do find the irony in that, so do not bother pointing that out, everybody. I got it. Don't make it weird. There's something about every uh, person that decides to follow God that eventually you'll start getting kind of weird and a little bit off. Particularly, this will happen much easier to you if your relationship with your dad isn't quite right. And so last week I was explaining, look, I have a really good dad. And so I naturally translated God, my heavenly father, and his role in my life quite easily. Like there was no barrier there for me at all. Now, I'm not saying that to shame anybody who didn't have a good dad. I'm not particularly bright because I had a good dad. I had a good dad, right? So it's like a gift from God for me that I didn't have to work for. Here's the thing. You can give the same thing to your sons and daughters, to their sons and daughters. You can because my mom and dad, they, neither of them had great relationships with their parents. And they stopped something in their generation and gave me a gift that they didn't have, which is something that God wants to do for you. But you have to break the chain of this thing because how you see your earthly father is how you will see your heavenly father. And here's this thing. Jesus is like, how weird would it be, guys, if, you're, if you need the Holy Spirit in your life, you're living your life in the flesh and it's not working, you need the Holy Spirit, but you're secretly afraid to ask your Heavenly Father for the Holy Spirit because you think he might trick you. Don't make it weird, guys. Why is it so weird? But he's talking about a human condition that is in some way in every one of us that we need to address today. Let me tell you about my relationship with my dad. I want you to piggyback on something that maybe you don't have because I'll show you how to adapt this to your Heavenly Father. So you can get the end product without necessarily having a good dad, because here's the thing. Every child of God in the room, you are not an orphan. You have the best father in the world. So any barrier is on your side. So the trouble is, you think that the barrier is on God's side or people's side or whatever. No, the barrier is inside of you. And when the barrier gets removed, you have all the connection that you want. So let me explain how the Holy Spirit, who is kind of the mom of the Trinity, like the encourager, the... Let me explain to you how this works with my dad. First of all, my dad is like the most generous person in the world. I cannot outgive him. Every meal that we buy, it's like an argument... I take my dad to a family reunion on last Sunday after church. We, we go up to Edmonton. I take him on a family reunion with mom because we're going anyways, right? My dad, I take him to the airport. He's visiting my brother Ryan in Winnipeg right now. Yay. <laughs> I always make fun of my brother. It's a thing we got going on. Weeping because he's with Ryan this week. No, no, no. Ryan's great. So on the way to the airport, I drive my dad. Sorry. <laughs> When you have a good relationship with your family, you can joke about stuff. Like, nobody gets hurt, their feelings hurt. Why? Because it's just a good relationship. It's just funny. 
My brother zinged me so many times, I don't even know what to say. I picked up the phone one time, and this was before call display, and all I hear is I pick up the phone, he, know who's he, who, he knows who he's calling. I pick up the phone, he goes, hey, loser. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Got me again. You know, he was smarter than I was. This is what my dad is. He gives me a Starbucks gift card. And he's like, here's a gift card for, take, for, for gas money. And I'm like, Dad, put your dang gift card away. But gas money? I'm not 10. I'm not, I'm not going to a movie. Dad, I was going anyways. Like, oh my goodness, Dad. Like, I'm like, take your stupid gift card. <laughs> take your card and go and buy coffee at the airport, which is what everybody else does with Starbucks cards, not just give them away. Well, I just wanted to help out with the gas. And then my mom chimes in from the back seat. You're seriously not going to take this card from your father? And I'm like, woman? I'm just quoting the Bible here, the words of Jesus. Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? <laughs> it's in the Bible. Read it. It's pretty funny. But Jesus is like, it's not my time. His mom's like, they're out of wine at the feast. Could you do anything? Jesus? Woman, what does your concern have to... Oh, just... And then she goes and talks to the servants. Is like, whatever he says, do it. Tricked him. Got a miracle. I'm just like, Mom, you stay out of this right now. This is unbelievable that you're siding up with him. Who's on my side in this? I'm like, gas money. Keep your dad. Buy yourself a coffee. And then, and then they're like, well, what do you want for Christmas? <laughs> it's unbelievable how generous my earthly father is. I can't outgive him. I've never been able to. That might not have been your story, but that's my story with my earthly father. So to translate trust to God, my heavenly father, you know, something I realized, I was talking with my wife about this. In all of my years of being a Christ follower, my religion, and I'm not bragging because I'm something special, because it had nothing to do with me. I just had a good dad. My relationship with my heavenly father has never gotten weird. I've been wrong about things. I've been sinful. I've got, made mistakes. It's never been weird. Odd, never gotten off track or went off the reservation or never gotten misaligned with, thought ill of, never been mad at. Everyone's like, oh, you're amazing. I'm like, I'm not amazing. I just had a good dad. I've never yet, and, and there's been really hard times in my life that God actually ordained for me to have. And I've never been angry at God in the way that some of you struggle with. Why is this? And I'm thinking the Holy Spirit's like, I, I'll show you how so that I can unwind them and give them what I've given you. Give them what I've given you even without your dad because I'm a father who can do that sort of thing. I'm like an ant. I can tear sermons, tower down whenever I want to. I score when I want. Liverpool is hopefully destroying Manchester United as we speak. Can I hear an amen in the house? All right, look, we love you Manchester United fans, but when you get tired of serving the devil, y'all come, we'll baptize you. <laughs> My wife brought a Manchester United jersey into the house one time. I'm like, because she got it for a dollar at the thrift store. I'm like, what are you bringing that garbage into my house for? Well, maybe one of the kids will wear it. I'm like, they will not wear that jersey. Anyways, I'm an English soccer fan. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Your relationship with your heavenly father 
decides your identity because your relationship with your earthly father also there's this thing about dads that their words weigh more so if your earthly father was not there you will have issues with your identity in fact every person I know who has identity issues has identity issues mostly in and around this father issue so your relationship with your earthly father decides your identity in a lot of ways. There, there's something about the solidity of, of God, your heavenly father, that God wants you to, to show you your identity. So you're not trying to try and find it all by yourself. But there's this role thing that God, your heavenly father, is different than every other relationship that you're going to have. See, there's God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Everyone is the same God. It's a, called the Trinity. But everyone acts in a different way, in a different way role. Does this make sense? So Jesus is like, don't leave Jerusalem until you get baptized with the Holy Spirit because you won't have any power to serve. And there's this thing that like the Holy Spirit prepares the way for the Father. So, so Jesus said, I don't speak anything but what I've heard the Father speak. It all goes back to the Father. The Holy Spirit is help, here to help you connect with the, the Spirit of Jesus with your Father. It all goes back to the Father in the end. And Jesus is not like, I wish I was in charge. And the Holy Spirit's not like, I wish I was in charge. Everybody's like, God the Father is in charge and it's cool. There's no tension. I feel like that was a theological lesson that went over somebody's head. But there's something about your Heavenly Father. Let me, let me tell you a story about something that happened to Aaron and I that will kind of show you how your Heavenly Father thinks about some things. I, uh, I was uh, sick a lot when I was a child, and I don't know if I was colicky, or I, I just, I, I had a lot going on, I guess. And my mom said that when dad would come home from work, and dad used to work a lot, but when he would come home, he would just lay on the couch, I think, and just put me on his chest and breathe. And, and that that would calm me right down without saying a word. See, when you walk into the room, when your Heavenly Father walks into the room, it should change everything. It's not necessarily what He says to you that changes. It's He Himself that brings an impartation with Him. He brings who He is with Him and puts who He is in you. The calmness of my earthly Father. The trust. The everything is going to be okay. The stop trying so hard. When God walks into the room, everything should should change, but see, your, your fathers are not overly given to, can I say this, like, you could take this any way that you want to, but see, there's there are different roles that happen in the family, so can I just tell you what, what ours looks like? So um, as a father, I think my main job, and you as a father, as a husband, your main job, I, I think, and your main anointing is going to be in and around the lines of protection. Does that make sense? So, so, and my wife, you know what she can do without even trying is nurturing. So now it's not like dads don't nurture because I live with five women, everybody. And so I live with four daughters. I have had to bring nurture up. I am the Ailish whisperer. I, it's a game that I don't understand. I'm a psychologist that's not getting paid and not winning anything, but here I am. And it's my role. I, I can bring nurture up, but Aaron can do it without even trying and so, but the protection aspect of that is what God wants to do in your life. See, but what happens is if you act like an orphan because you had a disconnect with your mother or father, then you'll start nurturing and protecting yourself. And you are not anointed to do that. Hear me, you're not anointed to do that. You had to do it to survive, I get it. But you are not anointed to continue doing that when you have your heavenly father. 
And so, so what would happen is, even in my home, I, I, my first job is, to, is not necessarily to nurture. Hear me, because this will help you, because every wife wants the husband to be more nurturing. But what if his first job is to protect? What if you don't protect husbands? There's nothing to nurture. And, and what the devil did was he went after the role of the father and got us all stuck in sin, an entire generation, in sin and shame and all of this stuff. Removed us from the homes altogether because if he could get the fathers out, he could eventually affect everybody. And, and if he could get the father out, he could affect your relationship with your heavenly father more than any other relationship that you have. And so this is the kindness and the, the recompense of God in that he can re- return to you the years that the locusts, the Bible says in, in the book of Joel, the, return the years that the locusts have eaten. Return the years of famine to you. He can return it and he can do it like that because he's God, your heavenly father. So let me tell you this uh, story. Aaron and I, we were going to get married. And um, so we had the blessing of our family and we had the blessing of our pastors and the elder team. And, and, um, and we were going to get married. And she had a, a friend uh, named Stina who was supposed to be her maid of honor, I want to say. Am I right? Supposed to be her maid of honor. And she started getting weird. Anybody have weird wedding stories? And she started going around to all of Aaron's friends in Calgary and talking about us and about me as if, like, well, I don't know about Corey. And, like, what is it about my personality? I just polarize people. How do you not? Like, I feel like I'm nice, mostly. She didn't like me. I, I know now why she didn't like me. But at the time, I'm like, what's going on? Like, I've, I feel like Aaron could do worse, you know? Like, <laughs> So anyways, I don't know. She had a thing against me or whatever. I, I know now that she was a huge controller and manipulator. And she knew that as soon as I was in the picture, the whole protection thing was going to start. And that was going to end. And so, anyways. But what happened was she was going around to all of Aaron's friends. And this all was happening right at the time. That, and so what we ended up doing was she ended up uninviting herself to the wedding. Because don't come to my wedding if you're not sure about me, everybody. It's like, I like Aaron, but I don't like you. Then let's not hang out. Like, if you like me, guys, and you don't like my wife, then let's not hang out. Because that's how that works. If you like God, but don't like the church, let's not. Oh, the bride of Christ. Oh, come on. And so, so here's the thing, though. So this was all happening, and we're sitting at the kitchen table with my mom. We're sitting at the kitchen table, and we're talking about this. And mom's like, oh, my goodness, you guys. Like, how is this? And, you know, like, we're upset because this is all going down here. We've got to make some decisions. And, and uh, then my dad walks into the room. You ever see Pastor Richard? Mm-hmm. Walks into the room. He looks up. Now, dad's not the most emotional guy in the world. But even he could tell that something was wrong. He looks at me, and he looks at Aaron, and he looks at, at my mom. He goes, what's wrong? And I give him the, um, the bullet point version. <laughs> if you talk to me or my dad, just give me the bullet points. Just give it to me quick. I got it. I give him the 30 second while well, this is what's going on. And then he goes. <laughs> and turns around and starts walking. And we hear him mutter, that's about right. We're sitting at the table, and sitting at the table, and sitting at the table. We're like, oh, guess it's not that big a deal. His presence. He saw through all the drama, because everybody drama adds to the trauma. 
drama adds to the trauma in your heavenly father, one of his roles in your life will be to walk into the room and snort. (laughs) And say, and turn around and walk out of the room. Dads don't have to say that much, everybody. If you have authority, everybody knows that you have authority. My dad could cause me to rethink my life from across the yard with his eyebrow. (laughs) You didn't have to say nothing. I'm like, I am rethinking my plan to destroy my brother's body with, okay, maybe the jump is too big. I got it. I got it. There's something about your heavenly father that will walk into the room and shift the mood. There's something about him that can walk into your marriage and shift everything because you thought the problem was her, but the problem is you. And the problem is your own mind and will and emotions are keeping you from connecting with her. No, no, he can walk into the room and change how you parent that teenager by like that because that's who he is and that's what he can do because he's God. Maybe you forgot that he made all of this. This is the smallest of anything that he has ever made is you. But you're somehow his favorite. And then you act all abandoned and orphaned in the house of God and you get all weird. Well, here was my mom's role because this whole sermon is about the Holy Spirit. My mom sat at that table and she got us to the table and kept us there long enough for dad to come. She just got us talking and got things out in the open and then dad came in and then immediately after that happened, mom went and dad walks away and she goes, yeah, he's right. (laughs) Something like that. Like, yeah, no, he's right, actually. End of story. That's the last I've ever talked about it with dad. It's done. It's done. This was her decision. She became a crazy person. She got weird. We don't want weird in our wedding. Done. We didn't need her. We had the blessing of God. We had the blessing of our church. We had the blessing of our families. Good. I think that's what you need to get married. Can I hear an amen? And the people who are still with us are some of those people still dead. Right? And so when you understand that, it's like, oh, Mom's job, the Holy Spirit's job is just to keep you at the table. But if the devil can get between you and mom and the Trinity, he's got you. Because then what will happen is, is he will start painting your heavenly father as, listen, listen. Because if I didn't have a mom at that table who backed him up right there, who got us to the table, it would be really easy to see dad come in and do this, hmm, walk. As like, well, that's kind of insensitive. He doesn't want to know how I feel about this. Truth, how I felt about it had nothing to do with what was actually going on. I was in the middle of a drama. And drama adds to the trauma. He wanted to deal with the issue. And the issue was she had some problems that nobody knew about at the time. And she wanted to bring these problems into our marriage. That was the issue. Dad's like, huh, you going to let that happen? Well, I guess not. Done. Game over. Done. We got married. We've lived happily ever after. No arguments ever since. The drama adds to the trauma. If you don't let the Holy Spirit have the role in your life that God the Father intended, that Jesus promised, if you won't let the Holy Spirit into your life and give the Holy Spirit control in those moments, the devil will be able to paint God as uncaring, as unconcerned, as too hard, as too demanding, as, come on, As all of these things, which, you know, if you knew my father, you would know that everything he ever demanded was for my good. That's why I never objected to it. But some of you have not had that experience. And so when you come to God, you're like, are you going to scorpion sandwich? Right? He's going to be a scorpion, right? And God's like, Jesus, like, what are you talking about? This is my heavenly father. You have to start thinking differently. You need the Holy Spirit to have this role in your life. Listen, um, 
It says, uh, when the apostles in Jerusalem, Acts 8 and verse 14, because this may not have happened to you yet. You might not know about this. You might not have said yes to this. You might not have even asked for this yet. This is why I'm preaching it, because you don't have as much of the Holy Spirit as you think you have or as you need to have. And I've heard Christians say, I have as much of the Holy Spirit as I need. And I'm like, who are you? Are you Jesus? God forbid that I would ever say anything that arrogant. On my deathbed, I'll be like, I wish I had more of the Holy Spirit, but soon enough, I'm going to have it all. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, so now they're in, in Samaria, as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. There's this doctrine floating around that when, when you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit, and you get all of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit intended or Jesus intended. Okay, this would disagree with that. So what's, what's that called when your doctrine disagrees with the Bible? Wrong doctrine. Now, here's what happens. The Holy Spirit comes within you, and the Bible says, gives you a well springing up to new life for you. So yes, you get, a, you get some of the Holy Spirit. You get a, a portion of the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit in a certain way. But this is talking about the Holy Spirit in another way. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon. Next week, I'm going to preach the lights out here. I'm going to preach this like from front to back, and you're going to get it. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon within, yes, not upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Some people are like, oh, Jesus is enough for me. And Jesus is like, don't leave Jerusalem, my goodness, until you get the Holy Spirit. Jesus is like, I'm not enough for you. <laughs> I'm going to heaven. The Holy Spirit is here. You need the Holy Spirit. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers. Very important to understand. This is how we see it happen. And they received the Holy Spirit. It's how we see it happen here. When Simon, I'm not even going to go into this next part here. Um, no, I am going to. When Simon, it was a guy who was a sorcerer. So like Saruman, I just like that. Saw that the Spirit, he had gotten his, his life, to, you know, he had come to uh, accept Christ as his Lord and Savior. And then it says, when he saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. I want to read this because you see how weird he gets. Let me have this power too, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, Peter is speaking from a father's kind of position here. Watch this, watch this. Peter, like one of the original apostles, comes in and just swings with a hammer. May your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. He's like, it's an inheritance to sons. Don't you ever treat your father like his gifts are currency. To buy your love, to make you happy, to, come on. Make you like him more. He is God Almighty. Man, he does not need you to like him to be God. This is a gift to you. He's saying, like, you can't buy this with money. You can't buy favor with God with money. That's not how God works. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. He's like, you don't have the right relationship with God, your father, do you? Someone wrong back here. You have this weird idea of God and power and you're not getting it right. It's a barrier to you. And pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you said won't happen to me. After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. They stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. It's very interesting that Jesus commanded them, you can stay in Jerusalem, you can be saved, you can be disciples of mine, but do not leave to do work for me until you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do not leave until the Holy Spirit has come upon you, because you will run out of steam and get weird. 
Don't even try it. You're going to try it in your own strength. You're going to get into your flesh because your flesh is the barrier to the spirit. You're going to get weird. And even as Peter in Acts chapter 10 was saying these things, now a couple chapters later, Peter goes to the Gentiles, goes to Cornelius' house, and it says, even as Peter was saying these things, I'm just warming you up for next week. You think this is the finale? This is not the finale. Just come on back. It says, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit, of the scorpion... The gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for he heard them speaking other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized? So they got baptized in the Holy Spirit before they got water baptized. It was never supposed to be separated, everybody. Like, let's get you saved and baptized and baptized in the Holy Spirit in the next 10 minutes. Like, let's do it all. We'll find some water. We'll take you into the bathroom or something. I don't know. Let's figure out something. Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, we have to eradicate from our hearts and our minds any mistrust of God our Father. Can you imagine how It puts you at odds with heaven when you distrust the most trustworthy being that has ever or will ever exist. He has never had one bad thought about you. He has never had to apologize for anything because he's never thought or done or felt anything wrong. And yet, Jesus is like, you're going to have this father barrier to overcome here. And the Holy Spirit is the only one who can help keep you at the table long enough to get the impartation of the Father. So, Because when he walks into the room, everything changes. He doesn't need to say anything and everything changes. He spoke worlds into existence with half sentences. He can do it just like that. He can do it just like that. But there's this weird thing going around It's been going around forever because, look, if I was the devil and I couldn't keep you out of the family of God, I'd keep you out of the inheritance of God. If I couldn't keep you out of the family, I'd make sure that you never got hooked up with the Holy Spirit. There's this thing that I heard so much that you got to be careful asking God for the Holy Spirit because here's what the devil did. He created a bunch of drama around speaking in tongues. And drama is just adding to your trauma. I could go on a whole teaching about this right now, but here's the thing. There's two types of speaking in tongues. There's one that's done from the front where an interpreter interprets it. And then there's another one that's your personal prayer language. And Paul says of his personal prayer language, I speak in tongues more than everybody. I'm more spiritual than Paul is. That's a gift of the Spirit. God would never have me do this. What's it called when your doctrine disagrees with the Bible? Wrong doctrine. A barrier. But the devil just created traumas around one thing. Just the one thing. Speaking in tongues. And what we did was we rejected the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We rejected the Holy Spirit coming upon. I'm going to unwind the whole New Testament to you next week. Why? Because this is what I heard kids my age told when I, when I was young. You got to be careful about those speaking in tongues. Got to be careful about the Holy Spirit because you might get the devil. So God in heaven is out handing gifts around and he's like, okay, I'm just waiting for you. I'm just waiting for Terry to ask me for the Holy Spirit. And then, what did you send? You sent a demon? You FedExed the demon. 
to Terry, oh no, it was supposed to be the Holy Spirit. We've made a huge mistake in heaven. Jesus is like, people, it's unthinkable that you would think of God, your Heavenly Father, like that. He has given you an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon you for power, for service, to finally get you cleaned up from the addiction, to fix your heart on the inside, to to fix that soul, the great barrier against heaven. He has given you the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a gift. But let me read one more verse to you before I end today. And so I tell you, Jesus said, keep on asking. This is right after the first part of the scorpion. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Well, I asked one time, and it keep on asking. If you have a Father in heaven, the persistence is part of prayer. You keep on asking. Keep it. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Heavenly Father, we receive right now the the Father's heart. We have these unconscious barriers to heaven inside of each and every one of us. And as I move people towards a receiving time next week, I think, maybe after the service, where people can lay hands and look, if you want it now, we can do it now. But Heavenly Father, I just ask for your Holy Spirit and the power of the Father of heaven to come right into the room right now and take over. To bring your Holy Spirit into sow your Holy Spirit's seed into our hearts so that it would reap a harvest of closeness with God our Heavenly Father. I pray that we would repent today for thinking ill of you and for speaking ill of the gifts of the Holy Spirit because of our lack of experience, because of our lack. People try to talk us out of salvation who have never been saved as well. That doesn't work very well. We cannot deny who you are, Father, and we cannot deny who your Holy Spirit is. And I pray, Father, for the humility in every heart to start asking right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.